except for Piper. Oh, she's not going to go to children's church. She's going to go to kids' church. My mistake. Okay, got that cleared out. All right, as she gets her stuff picked up, um, we're going to be talking about peace today. As you can see in the back of your bulletin, we have a few scripture references you can go to. But on the bottom, if you see there, it says, Live, Work, Play, Church. And if you have somebody that's got a long name and doesn't have a name, you can just write it in there at an angle. But who's somebody that you can share this message with where you live, where you work, where you play, where you church? And maybe you're like, well, it's hard for me to, to work this message in, but there's always um, the, the Advent message, the Christmas message, right? You can bring in to uh, working there. Peace. As I was studying this, I, was, I remember the peace of heaven, right? So when we get to heaven, it's going to be peaceful. It's going to be, everything's going to be worked out. God's going to be in control. We know uh, what we're going for, what we're hoping for. And so we hope for that peace. But the, the other place that we find peace is peace in the experience. So we're in the trial, we're in the struggle, and we can see that God has a plan through that. So we're going to talk about those two this morning, and we're going to talk about the beginning of that peace for heaven as well. That's how we're going to end the thing. So the first and the third are going to be kind of short, and then the one in the middle is going to be a little bit longer. Where we're going today, by trusting God's promises, we can depend on him to give us peace in life's challenges, right? Have you ever had one of those situations where you're like, I'm not sure how I'm going to get through this, but the Lord is working in this, and so I will trust in him um, and be faithful that he will um, be just and get, get the job done. And that is where we're at today. So peace, hope for. I was trying to find a good place that would describe this peace that was hoped for, and I looked at what we find in Hebrews chapter 11. If you look at Hebrews chapter 11, if you look at the whole chapter, you're going to see that a lot of times this is referred to as the champions of faith because it says by faith, by faith, by faith. But what are they hoping for? They're hoping for that peace that passes understanding, right? They're hoping that their Savior is going to come. They're hoping that God is going to make all things new. And so they have trusted him, and by faith they walk that this is going to be so. And so peace is the conclusion of faith revealed, in a sense, in that sense. Um, So here's some of the great examples of faith. I'm going to read the first 11 or excuse me, the first 10 verses, and then um, if you want to read the whole chapter when you get home, it's really neat to look at some of these, and then it, it really opens up some of the stories of the Old Testament. So I'd encourage you, if you haven't struggling with reading the Old Testament, this is one of the chapters that really opened up uh, the Old Testament for me, and, and Hebrews in general does open up. It's like, oh, that's the point of that. Oh, that's what it is. Hebrew explains. It's it's the bridge between the Old and New Testament. I remember Pastor Dave did um, a series on Hebrews. It's been seven or eight years ago, and I uh, did a really good job of bridging that gap as well. So peace, hope for Hebrews 11, 
1 through 10. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command and that what we need now see did not come from anything that cannot be seen. We have faith that God created, right? How many people were there when God created the heavens and the earth? Nobody was, right? So if, think about this now. If you want to take this from a creation standpoint, it takes faith, right? But if you want to believe that something came from nothing, aka over billions of years and just turned into this, guess what? That requires faith as well because we don't know. We don't have hard evidence of that. We don't. Uh, what we do have is a starting point. We can take the stars back to a beginning uh, because if you look at the universe as it is, it's ever-expanding, right? Mathematically, they know how the patterns of the stars go, and they can expand that out. Uh, Ken's talked about that before, and has gone through some of that. Haven't, didn't you do that once? And it was really neat to see that, but the mathematics of it work. So we know right where the stars were when Jesus was around, right? We also know, if you keep going, at the beginning of time, you can figure out that there was a starting point. Huh, and if there's a starting point, it means the universe isn't infinite. And if the universe isn't infinite, it points to a creator. Interesting, huh? Or a great designer. And it's starting, as the debates go, um, they're starting to win that debate more and more all the time, just so you know. Let's continue on in verse 4, where it starts talking about people. It's by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel offered... Offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was uh, taken up into heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. But before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about these things and had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and received the righteousness that came by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed what God called him and leaving his home to go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. How do you do a journey without that? You do it with the peace that passes understanding, okay? Let's keep going. And even when he reached the land, God promised he lived there by faith because he was a foreigner living in tents. And so was Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. And Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundation, a city designed and built by God. Are we not still looking forward to that home, that place that he has prepared for us in heaven? 
Isn't that wonderful? That God, even 2,000 years before, maybe even 4,000 almost, before he was even born, the same faith applies to them as it does to us today. And the same peace that walks through these times of the unknown applies to us today too. God is not, does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Or as we say in Sandlot, forever, right? <laughs> but look at Abel, look at Enoch, look at Noah, look at Abraham. They walked by faith, but they walked in the peace of knowing God's plan. And that will, that will take us to Joseph's story here in a little bit. But what do we hope for today, now? What do we hope for? We want to get things back to normal. We want to get things back to how they're supposed to be. We want to get back to healthy. We want so-and-so to get back to healthy. But we hope, in a sense, a lot of times, it's comfort for a time. Right? Comfort for a time. We want to be comfortable. And that's different than peace, isn't it? And I'll admit, I love comfort. Comfort's easy. Comfort can be boring. I'm okay with boring. Um, in my older age I get, I, if I'm comfortable, I'm okay. Uh, but peace is different than that. Peace is different than comfort. It can come alongside and be similar to comfort because it says at the beginning of that one psalm, it says, comfort, comfort my people. That's actually in uh, Isaiah. Sorry. Um, peace is brought to completion. When God's plan comes to fruition, that's what peace is, okay? When somebody says shalom, it means complete, okay? That's the Hebrew word for complete. Um, faith fulfilled. So you've been faithful, you've walked by faith, you get to the end of your journey, and your faith is fulfilled with this peace that passes understanding. See how it's interwoven with faith so much. It's God's plan come to fruition. We know that true peace lies in the presence of God. Right? If we are in God, the presence of God, that's where we can experience true, everlasting peace. What a blessing to have that. And we can have that a little bit on earth through the relationship with Jesus Christ. And we know that he has gone to prepare a place for us, but he sent the Holy Spirit down here to continue that peace as we walk with him. Jesus is in heaven. The Father's in heaven. And our hope is in a God who loves us like he loved his son, and he's preparing a place for us in heaven, right? I'm excited about that. I'm hopeful for that. And I rest in that peace. So what do we do about the wait? As we're here, we're waiting to get to heaven. Sometimes it feels like forever. It feels like my whole life I've done this. Oh, wait, I have, right? Right? So for us, it seems like it's all we've ever known is waiting for this peace. But we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know the time when God's called us up. And so we continue to wait, resting in his peace that he has it all planned out and all figured out. Because if we knew the end, 
we'd probably try to cheat, wouldn't we? And God asks us to be ready. Be ready at all times. I'm coming like a thief in the night is one of the things he says. We trust in his word and in the Holy Spirit like we talked about last week. They are our evidence, his word, God's promises. And God is fulfilling those promises. And a big fulfillment of that was when he first came and died on the cross. Another one, evidence of fulfilled promises is the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit is evidence that God is with us. Just like he promised he would. We tell others about the truth we have heard. And some of the best ways to do this is, as we mature in our faith, is to teach others. You want to know your faith deeper? You want it to get deeper in your faith? You got to teach it. Teach it to somebody else. How many times when I first started, I would say, well, I know what I mean, what I want to say, but ah, it's just not coming out like I want to say it, right? You ever said that before? It's because you're convicted in your heart to know this, right? But it's not coming out in a way that you've been taught. And you want to be polished like like the teacher and what's in your head. And sometimes you're like, oh, I could have said it this way. I remember my brother, he came to Bible study and he gave a mediocre Bible study. And I was like, hmm. So he comes back the next week and he gives another mediocre Bible study. Bible study on the same thing, and I'm like, hmm. And then the third week, he comes in to give us this great Bible study on the same topic, and I was like, wow, that was really good. It kind of sounded like the two previous work weeks he said, and he's like, it was. I finally got out and figured out how I was going to say it. So sometimes it just takes that practice, even to your audience. This is how it goes. I'm not sure how to say it, but this is how it comes out. When you're just starting out, that's okay. God's spirit will work through you, right? So it's important to teach others. It is a good way to learn really quickly. If you're at the point where you're just taking notes and you're going, maybe it's time to uh, pour into the kids downstairs in the, in the children's program. You learn how to do it simply. Maybe it's time to uh, start a small group. Maybe it's time to get involved on Thursday night with the youth. And you might be saying, well, I, I just don't know. I don't know if I can do this. Well, praise God, we have some very faithful and patient teachers that would go down there and come alongside you, right? Because the proper way to disciple somebody is come alongside them and teach them the way, right? And Okay, so I'm going to do, and you're going to watch. And then next time, you're going to do, and I'm going to watch. And then the last time, you're going to do. Does that make sense? So the first time I'll teach, you watch how I teach. The second time you teach, I'll watch how you teach. And we'll, we can give some pointers to each other, right? The last time, you go ahead and teach. So that, that could be three Sundays. It could be a series over three months that, that we're working that process, right? So that's how that goes. So don't be afraid. The Lord your God is with you. Well, I, I don't know enough. If that is one of your excuses, I'm happy to announce that we have a very good 
knowledgeable teacher on January 6th that will be teaching right over here at 6.45 to 8 and will be able to teach you some of those principles. And you need to make that a priority uh, to get there because that is a blessing uh, to have that class. We also have small groups on Tuesday nights and um, youth Bible study. If you want to get involved and in, in get in to know, we're going over the basics right now, uh, watching the chosen, watching Jesus do his thing with his disciples. But by trusting God's promises, we, could de- we can depend on him and to give us peace in life's challenges. Next, peace experienced. I don't know of a better story of peace experienced than what the one we talked about last week with the angel appearing to Mary and then the angel appearing to Joseph, right? The angel appears to Joseph. Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25, it says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill God's message through his prophet. Look, a virgin will come, will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relationships with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Wow. Talk about a bomb being dropped in your lap. Mary's pregnant? Well, how does that happen? Well, I, I know how that happened, but it didn't, it didn't happen with me. And I'm, last time I checked, I don't know if she really had any other free time to do that with anybody else. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm confused. I think I'll just drop this engagement and uh, go about that way. There's the evidence is there. And really, you know what? It doesn't take a plumb bob to figure out that this thing ain't level, right? Something's off here. So God steps in. God gives him a personal appointment with an angel. He lets Joseph in on the plan. And knowing that you're in on God's plan, it makes all the difference, doesn't it? It really does. But there is a requirement there, isn't there? If you're in on God's plan, it takes more faith. Because if he reveals something like that to you, then you have to be faithful to see it through. And to know what the plan looks like is where we find the peace that passes understanding. This is a story that needs to be told. It needs to be shared. It's a testimony that needs to be out there. Friends, 
This is experienced faith in real time. And like Joseph here, if we've experienced something like that, we need not keep it to ourselves, but we need to give God his due glory. This is what God has done in my life. This is what he's shown us and our family. And this is how he is working. He is faithful and just. And that's amazing because I didn't think this situation would ever be resolved. So remember to give God the glory in that, to share it with one another. Here's another example of peace experience. Jesus, he's just finished up. Um, There's a couple different experiences in this one. He's just um, finishing up preaching, and he has his disciples get in the boat. And he tells them to go across the Sea of Galilee, right? And he wants them to go out onto the deep water. Well, in Hebrew, if you look at the deep waters or the depths um, in the Psalms, in Isaiah, another word for that is Sheol. Uh, what do we know Sheol to be in the Bible? It's a version of hell, okay? And so when they see the depths like that, um, they consider that hell. They don't want to go there. They don't want to be in there. They don't want, even, it even says that the, the souls will be called out of the depths as well in, in Revelation and some of those prophetic um, Old Testament places. So they, they don't want to go there. And then the wind and the waves start. And when one of these uh, squalls comes up in on the Sea of Galilee, how they can do, they come instantly. They come without warning. And especially if you don't have a radar system, you have no idea that they're going to be there. Okay, and they did not. This is a few years before radar. Um, they're about to capsize. They're doing all they can to keep their boat afloat. And most of them probably can't swim. We have four fishermen, and I'd say out of those guys, they probably can. But if they think of the depths like that, they probably can't swim. And they turn to their leader, Jesus, who's asleep in the back of the boat. Lord, where are you? Help. So let's pause the story. Okay, we got the scenario paused or right up to the where they cry out to Jesus. In the grand scheme of things, who's in control of their story? God is, right? God is in control. Who on that boat knows this? Jesus does, specifically, because he's got the peace that passes understanding that allows him to take a nap during the middle of a thunderstorm. Right? I think this is why he can sleep. He is resting in God's presence, that God is going to show up in a few minutes, and he's going to reveal himself a little bit more to these men. Before they got in the boat, did Jesus know that there was going to be a storm? Yeah, he knows all things. He created the storm, so he would probably know that there's going to be a storm. Did he know that they were going to reach the other side? Yeah. Yeah, he knew that too. So he knows the whole story. So while they're right over top of death, where was Jesus? 
Yeah. Was he on the shore sleeping? No, he was in the boat sleeping with them, right? He is with them. He's there to experience with them. And with that, we can experience the peace that passes understanding. When we don't know the outcome, when we don't know what's going to happen, we know that Jesus does. Amen? And so we can trust and obey that he is going to get through this. So where was Jesus? He was in the boat with them. Was he afraid? No. Dare I say he might have been a little annoyed, but he definitely was not afraid, right? They were safe because they cried out to Jesus. They surrendered the situation to their Savior. Jesus had the ability to silence and still the wind and the waves of their situation, and he has the ability to silence the wind and the waves in your life. All you have to do is cry out to him. We surrender to his will, and he will walk with us through those hard times. And then he'll ride in the boat with you, right? Sometimes he rides all the way through the storm. We're not sure how it's going to end. We don't know. And sometimes he brings relief, and he silences the wind and the waves in the situation we're in. But while he is with us, like he did with the disciples, like he did with Joseph in that situation, he silences and stills our hearts. Because a lot of times that's where the chaos goes. That's where it's at in our lives and what we're experiencing. And he is working out those things. From the hymn, be still, my soul. It says, be still, my soul. The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thine God to order and to provide. In every change, his faithful, he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend, though thorny ways lead to joyful end. This journey that we have on the earth is but a blip. It is but a pause on the great timeline. Once we've been created, we as Christians believe that we are eternal beings, right? We're eternally going to live in heaven with the Lord, or we're going to eternally live in hell with utter torment with Satan and his demons there to torment us, where the fire never goes out and the worm never dies. That is a, quite the picture. We have an opportunity to choose everlasting life when we say we're going to follow the Lord. We surrender our will to his Joseph learned to do peace through faith. The disciples learned how to do it too. My question is, can we? Can we live a life of faith where we put it in an active process to take a little bit of risk because we know the Lord is watching out for us? 
I'm trying to think at any time that I've risked anything for my faith that I've ever lost. I've been in danger of losing, but I've never lost anything, which means I could probably push the limit just a little bit more. And if your pastor can push the limit a little bit more, it means you probably could too. I have, I'll take that back. I have lost a couple of friendships because of sharing my faith. Um, but that, some of that is, is a learning process. So friends, your days are numbered by the Lord. The where you're going and how you're going to be, when you're going to die is numbered by the Lord. And we need to be faithful in that. By worrying, can you add a single day to your life? That's what Jesus, Jesus asked that question. Trust in God. Well, where does he ask that? Well, it's actually in the next passage we're going to read. Matthew chapter 6, 28 through 34. It says, why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so much, so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Okay? That's important right there. Because if you are worried about your life to that extent where it dominates your life, that you're not going to do your normal routine because you're worried about cares of this life, you have something serious relationship that you need to take care of with the Lord. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your eternal Father, Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring about its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I cannot watch mainstream media anymore because they take yesterday's problems and they turn it into today's problems for me. So I cut it out. I'm going to live my life how I see fit by God's word first. I will keep my antennas up for the rest. Okay? It is difficult in today's COVID era to do that. I understand. And I understand my health is different than your health. But ultimately, we trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding in all our ways, in all our ways, um, we trust him and he will make our paths straight. Christian, Christ follower, you were bought with the blood of Jesus. Honor God with your life.
with your body, is what it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 20. He will provide for you. What am I going to do about tomorrow? Let tomorrow worry about itself. We're going to worry about today. Well, what about my health? What, am I, what if this happens? Well, God's got that figured out too. We'll trust and obey. There's no other way but to be happy in Jesus and trust and obey. Like Joseph, we walk with the Lord even when we don't see the big picture. Did Joseph get to see Jesus all the way to the cross? Probably not. There's about halfway through. Joseph's not on the scene anymore. We don't know if he passed away. That's what a lot of people believe. That's what I tend to believe. Uh, we don't know if he was unfaithful and left or, or what. We don't know. But I like to choose, I choose to believe that he passed away because that's not uncommon in that culture. Okay? And we get to see, he got to see the big picture in heaven because he was faithful here on earth. By trusting in God's promises, we can depend on him and he will give us peace in life's challenges. Peace has come, this is the last point. Luke 2, 8 through 20. It says, That night there were shepherds standing by the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Do not be afraid. What's another way to say that? Peace be with you. Okay? Do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy for all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angels joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angel had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that was happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, and it was just as the angel had told them. Praise God that Mary pondered those things. Otherwise, Luke wouldn't have been able to write them down because I kind of believe that he got a firsthand account from Mary in this and what happened, right? And how did the shepherds know where to go? What shepherds um, were they taking care of? What kind of sheep were they taking care of? They're taking care of the sacrificial lambs. They knew where the birthing station was. They knew right where it was. It's at this tower. And most likely, it's probably where our the midwives took care of all the women in town just as much as they took care of the lambs in town, right? So they knew right where to go. Yes, and that's, that was another, is the star, right? That's where the wise guys, or the wise men, uh, figured it out. When God has a plan, 
to eradicate sin. From the beginning of time, right, he, he's come up with this plan. Since sin entered the world, he created a plan to eradicate it. What does he do? Well, first, he passes down the plan. And then he writes it down so we have a covenant to trust in. That's why we have the old covenant and we have the new covenant, or some will say the first and the second. When he fulfills his covenant by sending his son, he announces it with angels. In God's master plan, the hard part is done. Death and sin have been defeated. Now the part comes down to you and I. Are we going to accept Christ as Savior? Two weeks ago, we had uh, little Isla Wheeler accept Jesus into our heart. Two days ago, we had Brad Boyles accept Jesus into his heart. Both are exciting, right? Different ages, but diff- same result, living with Christ eternally. And if he is doing his part to fulfill his side of the covenant, we need to ask, what are we doing to fulfill our side. What does he ask of us? He asks us to listen and obey, right? I think the first step in obedience is surrendering your life to Jesus Christ and saying, I can't do this on my own. I am unworthy to get to heaven. I am in need of a savior. Will you come into my life today so that I can live with you? So I've listened And now I need to walk in obedience. How do I walk in obedience? I study his word. I read about what God has for me. I read and and try to find out what he wants in my life. And so God starts this covenant by Jesus being born. Very vulnerable And if Satan didn't know he was there, after the angels got done singing, they sure did then, right? Um, God announces it. The king has come to his kingdom to make all things new. And God's master plan is done. Sin and death are defeated by the blood of the lamb, our Christ Jesus. If If he had... If he's done with the front side of the plan, what does that mean for us? It's repentance. Not only for our sins, but it's telling others about the love of Jesus. Friends, we're facing a defeated foe. Satan knew he lost when Jesus rose from the grave. He's done. It is finished. It is over. The choice is ours if we want to follow Christ has won the victory. We are waiting for our king to return to claim what is rightfully his. And in the meantime, we watch and pray like the shepherds. We are quick to share his story, and we are watching for the signs of his second return. How do we do this? How do we do this? We get time with one another. Time with, and we come together as believers We study God's word to know him. 
We take time out on Thursday nights to study God's word. We take time out maybe on Tuesday nights to study God's word. Sunday mornings coming together, studying God's word and doing that outside of the church as well. Starting a Bible reading plan. There's still a few on the welcome table out there underneath the TV. If you wanted to do that for this year, it's a great uh, New Year's resolution. It's life-changing to read the Bible through in a year. So there's a Bible app. You can do the same thing on that. I have a couple of really, really good ones. If you're like, well, Shane, I get really bogged down in in the, the Old Testament. Well, I have a New Testament reading plan that you could read as well. It goes through half the year, but you could read it twice. And it goes through the, it's a really good reading plan as well. I would encourage you to do that. So studying God's word to know and learning how to obey him. That's the first part of Kavanaugh. Develop your prayer life. Writing down prayer requests. Sharing with your neighbor. Loving them like you would want to be loved. I believe the more effective prayer is when somebody else is praying for your requests. I really do. I think it is good that we ask God of the request, but it's more effective when somebody else is praying your request for you because that's how the church is supposed to work together. So living a life of prayer, bringing that up in everyday situations. Um, loving others and loving God like he loves us. Loving extravagantly. Thinking about others' needs and putting others before ourselves. Uh, one way we do that is, is through the boots and the coats that we've done, right? That's something that's been exciting and, and wonderful. Um, and then going and living a life of worship. If you love the Lord, you make it every part of your life. By trusting God's promises, we can depend on him to give us peace in life's challenges. But we got to surrender those times and challenges to him, don't we? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that we would come to know you in a, an amazing way. When we surrender to you, I pray that you would be, would open up our eyes to how we can do, surrender a little bit more, how we can worship as a lifestyle a little bit more, how we can, um, give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. Lord, I ask that in Jesus' name that you would uh, open up our eyes to see the wonderful things that you have for us and that we would be able to give you praise, not just to our own selves and not just in our prayers, but to point these things out to other people so that they might know and love you uh, like you've loved us. Guide and direct us in this Christmas season to understand the peace that passes understanding in the trials and the troubles of sickness and the trials and troubles of death, Lord. We surrender these things to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You're dismissed.